0: Let me see Thank you. Really glad uh, again. Thank you for uh, taking part uh, in our celebration today. We've been talking about uh, God's holy love. His love is holy because it's different from anything uh, we would uh, ever know. In this world, it is, uh, it is, his love is inconceivable, unexplainable, uh, indescribable. Here I am trying to describe it. Uh, it's beyond explanation and expression, but his holy love can be experienced. Uh, that is the thing. His holy love can be experienced. We can receive uh, God's love and it will heal us. Amazing things happen when we experience his love. I have been amazed in the last few weeks as we've been doing going through this study in the book of Ephesians uh, how God keeps dropping stories in my lap. going oh how do I explain this? One dropped in my lap yesterday. Got it in an email. Every, every Saturday we get, I receive an email um, from uh, a devotional. I receive every Saturday is a story about how God works in somebody's life. They call them Holy Spirit stories, and uh, this is from uh, a gal named Marin. She tells a story about uh, trauma, the lasting impact of trauma in her life, um, and uh, how God's love uh, is actually the power of God that changed her. Um, She says she never really experienced trauma in her life until uh, just this last year, she said, it had been really the hardest year of her life. They'd had financial problems, but on March 27th, some of you may remember, there was a, uh, a shooting at a church school, Covenant School in Nashville. Her two sons attended that school, and they were there. They weren't hurt. But as you can imagine, it uh, was traumatizing to her and to their family. Um, Long, lingering effects of trauma. She said uh, she hadn't really thought about it. Those effects, except that until uh, just recently, uh, family members were coming to visit them. They were going through some very personal problems, and some some bad things had been happening in their lives. And she thought to herself, uh, "They need to get away. They need a place to uh, to uh, to rejuvenate, to feel loved." And she said, "I don't have anything to give." bucket is empty and she says it dawned on me I've been hiding for the last six months I felt like a raw nerve that was her words I felt vulnerable like a raw nerve um, And then she said, I realized the worst part was I've been hiding from God. I wasn't mad at God. I wasn't, uh, I had lost my faith, she said. Uh, she just, she would, had been so scared, she was so frightened, she couldn't even open up to be with God. So she says, these are her words. I went for a walk and asked God, what do you want to say to me? I didn't feel or hear anything on my walk, so I went home and began to do my work. I put worship music on in the background, um, and the song Reckless Love by Corey Asbury came on. The lyrics talk about how God has been so loving to us. The chorus says, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love It was like an avalanche of realization, she says. It came over me, and I cried racking sobs. I had mistakenly thought, catch this. So when I read this, I thought, this is what nearly everybody I know has, has, this has been true for all of us. Me and everybody, many people I've talked to. Maybe not all of us, like 99.9%. I mistakenly thought that when I asked God to tell me what he wanted to say to me, it was going to be along the lines of how I had been tested and failed. But what he told me was this, simple yet so powerful. I see you. concludes by saying, I felt like a little girl that he just wanted to love. Sometimes we forget how big and overwhelming and never ending that love is. Sometimes there is no answer to our deepest pains. Sometimes we just need to sit in God's love. Mm -hmm. Folks, this is what I'm trying to tell us. Tell you and me. Tell us. God's love is incomprehensible, inexplicable, but it is something we can experience. And when we do, it heals us. This business of experiencing And then learning to share Jesus' love is our lifelong task. It's not just a once-and-done kind of thing. It is something that we need to learn and practice and experience over and over and over again. Life keeps happening. And the final goal of following Jesus is, is so that we become people who we're... Jesus' love motivates and shapes everything we do. Or to put it in the words of the Apostle Paul, Christ's love has the first and last word in everything we do. We've been working our way through Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, the book we call Ephesians. And uh, today we're looking at Ephesians 4, verses 26 and 27. Paul digs deeper into this and and looks at the destructive acid of anger in these two verses. I thought there ought to be, we ought to to take a whole lot more to talk about. There, There are other verses about anger and efficiency, but these two are just enough. There's been a, there's a lot to unpack in this, these two verses. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. All of this is in the context, remember, of experiencing God's love. And how that experience love changes us. And a part of that, as a part of that change, and we go and become more and more like Jesus, Paul says to us, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. I think what he's trying to tell us is that when anger is carried and nursed, it gives the spiritual forces of evil a particularly advantageous place to enter human relationships. Now, that was a mouthful. So what on earth are you talking about, Mark? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to try to tell you. Uh, buried anger can call, cause depression and despair. Now, I'm going to hasten to say that it's not the only thing that causes depression and despair, but it is burying our anger can be a contributing factor for a lot of, things, and for a lot of people. Uh, it's not the only thing but it can be a factor. Suppressed anger causes, for for a lot of folks, it causes jaded faith and doubt. Some of us turn our anger against Jesus. Turn our anger against God. We'll find different ways to say it. Uh, it, it. Sometimes we need to tell God we're angry at psalmists to do that. I mean, but then we deal with it. It's when we just stay angry that we have problems. Deep-seated anger fuels, also fuels the passive-aggressive behaviors. Passive-aggression, uh, one of my mentors was Dr. David Thompson. He, he, he writes this, passive-aggression describes aggression veiled by a veneer of social acceptability. Passive aggression attacks in such a way that we either do not clearly recognize the assault or don't know whether to confront it or let it go again. He goes on to point out that whole range of addictions are actually feeling disorders they represent ways of coping with shame and abandonment and anger and rage and here we have right in the middle of this whole thing Paul talking about following Jesus and experiencing the love that God wants to give us Paul warns us that unresolved anger opens a door for all the forces of evil to destruction in our lives. When we let our unholy anger an evil anger work in our lives, we pay a terrible personal, relational, and physical price. So this brings up a vital question. If, if the forces of evil utilize anger as an opportunity to create havoc in our lives, and I think it's pretty obvious that at least if, if there's not the forces of evil, anger in this world certainly creates enough havoc What should we do with our anger? And here's what Paul says. This is the amazing thing. Paul says, experience anger in such a way that you stop sinning in the process. Stop letting the sun go down on your anger, which opens the door for all that destructiveness being around. He's saying we can experience anger And not be sinful, not be destructive, not be involved in evil. We can deal with anger quickly and completely. Wow. Uh, How on earth is that possible? I don't know about you, but I'd like to see some example. There is one. As people who are trying to learn to think and act like Jesus, we should look at how he dealt with anger. So first of all, I'm going to tell you, did Jesus 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 uh, experienced anger? He became angry. So what made Jesus angry? That's the first thing we're gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna to, going to give you uh, three examples from the the record of his life recorded by uh, Mark. I was named after him, not you know, I didn't write the book, I was named after the guy who wrote the book, okay? Uh, some of you may think I'm old, but I'm not that old. Uh, One of the things that made Jesus angry was when people valued religious rules and traditions more than people. In Mark chapter 3, the first 6 verses talks about a time Jesus went into the synagogue, into the place of uh religious uh worship and meeting, and there was a man there who had a shriveled hand, a paralyzed hand, and everybody was sitting around watching to see what Jesus was going to do for this guy. Jesus already had a reputation because of the way, uh, for healing people. Why did Jesus heal people? Jesus healed people because he was the embodiment of God's holy love. And whenever God's holy love bumps into people, stuff happens, like they, they, they're they healed, often physically, uh, when he was around. Uh, some of them were looking, for, and they were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus of breaking rules because you don't heal people on the sabbath day that's against the rules that's work now I have I, I'm sorry that arouses all kinds of sarcasm and irony in the end. I'll try not to unleash my wife just said thank you <laughs> so Jesus knows what's going on. He can see these people watching him. He sees this man with a hand, and so he says to the man, stand up here in front of everybody. Wouldn't you love that? And he asks these people who are, who are staring him at him, which is which is better to do on the Sabbath day, the holy day? To do good or to evil? To kill some, or to save them? life and they just stared at him and these are the exact words Mark uses he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts said to the man stretch out your hand he stretched out was completely restored and then these fine, upstanding religious leaders went out and began to plot how they might kill Jesus. Because he had the audacity to heal somebody in church on a Sunday. Well, actually, it was on the synagogue on the Sabbath day, but it's similar. He broke the religious rules. If you want to tick Jesus off, value religious rules more than people. Oh, that's not the only thing to tick Jesus off. Mark chapter 10, uh, mistreating little children. People were bringing their children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, to bless them. And the disciples said, Jesus is too busy for those kids. Get him out of here. Hey, Haynes paraphrase. Uh, Jesus found out what was going on and he was indignant. I love that. That's a real fancy English word for ticked off. Well, other words we use, but we don't use them in church. Um, And he said, let the uh, the children come to me. And he said, this is what the kingdom is like. And uh, he took them in his arms, he blessed them. In chapter 11, the very next chapter, he goes into the temple. He was angry because they were youth. people were using people's desire to be close to God to become rich and powerful. He entered the temple. The temple courts that had been set aside for Gentiles, non-Jewish people, to pray it had actually been turned into a supermarket. Now it was a practical thing. People were traveling from all over the world to come to worship God in the temple. It was really impractical to bring a sacrifice with you and to bring all kinds of stuff with it that you needed. So you needed to buy it when you got there. You might as well buy it right there on the temple grounds. And it's a the Gentiles really really didn't need to come and pray. This is a Jewish temple. I mean, and so he was angry and he said, you've turned the house of prayer for all nations into a den of thieves and grabbed a piece of rope and cleared the place. Now, this is what I think is really awesome. There were armed soldiers there and they were scared of a carpenter with a piece of rope. Soldiers with shields and armor and spears and swords stayed out of the way of a carpenter with a piece of rope. He must have been pretty impressive. That's all I'm saying. So, what did Jesus do with his anger? Well, in the first time, the first thing we talked about, first example, he healed somebody even though the people around him didn't want him to. The second time, the second story we looked at, second example, he intervened on behalf of the little people, the little children, and blessed them, and he committed to helping his disciples learn, even though they had blown it. It's not like you know, he just, he's, hey guys, that's not the way we do things in my kingdom. Little people are important. Let me show you. And he acted passionately to include all kinds of people in God's family. You see, in Jesus, we can see that love and anger, love for people, and anger sometimes are inseparable. The heart of persons whose feelings, anger, and all are redeemed by the grace of God and his mind renewing spirit. Sometimes these two things go together. Which brings us to a very interesting sermon in a sentence. Jesus' holy love holds hands with his holy anger. Now, this brings us uh, like face-to-face with some falsehoods about anger that saturate our culture both inside and outside the church walls um, if we're going to follow jesus we're going to have to reject the all these falsehoods we've talked about this a little bit already uh and even when the falsehoods are inside the church uh so i these are just a sample this is a quick sample of some of the lies that, that are about anger that we need to to denounce First lie is that angry acts don't hurt people. Unholy, angry acts don't really hurt people. Now, lie number two angry is an acceptable way to live. After all, I'm Irish or German or whatever. We got our excuses. Number, line number three, violence solves problems. Check your movie list. That was a note to me. Line number four, venting your anger resolves your anger. If you yell out enough, you're going to feel better. How's that working for you? Item five, anger always leads to unreasonable, irrational, and hurtful acts. Always. The Jesus to heal somebody. The Jesus to bless little children. Sometimes leads us to seek justice. Well that got complicated, didn't it? Line number six loving followers of Jesus don't ever become angry. <clears throat> Never. Here's what's going to happen if we believe those lies we're going to be enslaved to anger and the destruction that it brings. They will keep us from following Jesus closely. They will keep us from being effective in our love for him. See somehow we have to learn this is this is way we need to keep experiencing his holy love. Because we This world is a mess. We're a mess. Jesus' holy love holds hands with his holy anger. His holy anger. We're so used to unholy anger that we, we have a hard time understanding that. This is what I want us to remember, though. Jesus experienced the wounds of unholy anger throughout his life. He sits in this synagogue with people sitting there staring at him looking for an excuse to do him in. All kinds of people angry with him. can give our caustic evil anger to God at the foot of Jesus' cross Jesus knows he felt it he experienced it we talk about it a lot every Sunday morning we talk about this at the beginning Jesus experienced the worst that this world has to dish out he experienced the worst of our unholy anger took the worst of it on the cross and we can take all of our caustic evil anger and all of our wounds to him and we don't need to stuff our feelings into the deepest darkest recesses of our hearts but how do we do that one of the things we need to do is just give our whole lives to him The time. I'm sure if we were able to talk to Maren, the gal whose story I shared at the beginning, if we were able to talk to her and said, had you ever given your life to, to Jesus? She would say, oh, of course. Many times. But then there was a six-month gap where I hid from God. She told us that. We need to give our lives to God over and over and over again as a response to his love. Here I am. I'm yours. We need to confess our anger. Make no excuses. Blame no one. It's not their fault. I'm not saying they didn't do anything. I'm saying my anger is my anger. I'm angry. Simply admit that. You're angry. God cannot heal what we conceal. We need to admit the harmfulness of our anger. We've all developed habits and hang-ups that, to deal with this anger that we've hidden. We need to admit it. We need to seek and receive the healing love that we can have in Jesus' name. It'll probably come in ways that will surprise us. We may say things like, what do you want to say to me, God? Expecting him to go, well, you blew it again i only have him say later, hey, so I just want you to know I see you
1: and I love you. I'm with you.
0: This morning we're going to celebrate communion. Communion is a great way for us to remind ourselves what Jesus did for us at the cross. And as a part of preparing for that, I want us to sing, I surrender all. Just a way of giving our lives to Jesus again. I surrender all. All to Jesus. I invite you to give your life to him. Hold nothing back. To meet him, for he gave his blood and his body for us. trade, he took bread, gave thanks to God for it, he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you, do this to remember me, in the same way he took the cup of after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray. Come Holy Spirit we need you. Deep inside, start deep inside us where we are broken. Make us strong in Your mighty power. Make room for Jesus, our King, to come and make His home in us. Holy Spirit you to fill us up with God's holy love. Fill us until every wound is healed. Fill us until every worry and anxiety is soothed and calmed. Fill us until everything we do All of our thoughts and all of our actions are shaped and motivated by Jesus' love. Moments. Help us hang on. We need you. I invite you to take the piece of bread. Jesus' words. This bread reminds us that his body was broken for us. Just as surely as your body needs bread to live, your spirit needs him. As you eat the bread, feast faith of Jesus receive his love For us, blood does amazing things in our bodies, washes away poisons, brings nourishment and life. As you drink this cup, let Jesus' life. Away the poisons of hope, of worry, and fill you with his hope and his love. is my prayer for you for everybody you interact with see I'm praying that as they interact with you Jesus' love will flow through you but for that to happen you have to experience it so may you experience the love of Jesus though it is too great to understand fully then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You are sent. Go with Jesus, the power of the love of the Holy Spirit.
1: Thank sure. you.